bright and cloudless morning when the dead in Christ shall rise and the glory of his resurrection share. When his chosen ones shall gather to their home beyond the sky and the roll is called of God, there I'll be there. When the roll is called of God, 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 there I'll be there. Let us labor, let us labor for the master from the long of sin and sun. Let us hold all of this wondrous love and care. And when all of life is over and our work on earth is done, all of yonder I'll be there when the roll is called of yonder 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 I'll be Seventy-seven. Are you washed in the blood? Yeah. 
Brother Dave and Miss Tanya, the girls' day off today, so you pray for us. We try to sing. Uh, I appreciate the Lord. I don't, I don't know how Brother David selects his songs, um, but uh, there's a message on my heart today, and uh, it's, it's one of those subjects that's difficult to preach it about. Um, but uh, nonetheless, we're going to try to follow the Lord in that. But he sang, led us in songs about knowing uh, for sure that you're saved. I appreciate that. Listen to an old song. It's called He Touched Me. And so you pray for us. We try to sing this morning. Amen.
Lord's ever touched you, say amen real loud. Amen. amen. I praise the Lord today. I, I've been in contact with a lot of different preachers, a lot of missionaries, evangelists and things over the last several weeks, and uh, so much so that it's actually become um, very time-consuming. Very time and uh, this week, matter of fact, uh, Nathan sent me something, was it two weeks ago, Nathan? Uh, sent me something two weeks ago for me to, to listen to and to read and give him some feedback on. And I've been so busy, I've not been able to do that. And uh, it's probably, what, three, no more than four minutes long, but it seems like my days are consumed with uh, talking to them. And, uh, then on top of that, the Lord's put some, he's put some thoughts on my heart that I just can't get away from. And I've been scouring through books and things of that sort this week. And... Uh, but I was able this week to begin to tell some people about my uh, my testimony the day that I got saved. And I don't know how you are, but it seems as though every time I begin to tell my testimony, there's something that wells up within me that kind of says, yeah, I remember that. I was there. And uh, I'm glad today that I've got a place back in my yesterday that I met that I at the foot of the cross. And I got saved by the Lord's marvelous grace. And I'm glad today that it's not just a day, but it's it's the day. Now, I'm a little bit different. I remember the day. I remember praying and looking at a clock when I got done. So I remember pretty close to the minute of the time. I remember the address. I remember everything about it. And that's because it's been so special to me. And it's touched my heart so every time I begin to try to tell someone about what God's done for me. Because in spite of how well many people know me, they don't know what I used to be. But I'm glad to report today that God touched my heart. And I'm so thankful of that this morning. And I praise His holy name. Amen. I want you to take your Bibles today and turn to the book of Mark. How many going to pray for me this morning? Turn to the book of Mark, and uh, we'll be in chapter number 10. You learn a lot of lessons uh, preaching out in the wind and in the sunshine. One of those is to not depend on technology, because the sun doesn't like iPads and things like that. It tends to make them go black. Somebody say, come on. But then, on top of that... Uh, the wind tends to uh, cause some issues. So if anybody's, I think the wind right now at least is kind of blowing that way. So y'all, if my papers start going, y'all just help me out, all right? Mark chapter number 10, verse number 17. We'll read down to verse number 22. And I do cover your prayers. Word of God says, And when he was gone forth into the way, there came one running and kneeled to him and asked him, Good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? And Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. Thou knowest the commandments. Do not commit adultery, do not kill, do not steal, do not bear false witness, defraud not, honor thy father and mother. And he answered and said unto him, Master, all these I have, have I kept, or have I observed from my youth. 
Then Jesus, beholding him, loved him. And I love that phrase there. It's not what we'll be preaching, but I love it. Jesus, beholding him, loved him and said unto him, One thing thou lackest, go thy way, sell whatsoever thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven. And come, take up thy, the cross, and follow me. Here is our text verse, if we had one. And he was sad at that saying, and went away grieved, for he had great possessions. Dear Father, again we come to you today, thanking you for the blessings and your mercy and grace. Thank you for reminding me of that day that you touched us. Now, God, we pray that you'd help those that may be here among us today, or maybe those that may watch or listen at a later date. We pray that you would speak to them through this text. God, we ask you that you'd hide us behind the cross of Calvary. Father, we pray that you'd give us power in the presence of God today. Lord, allow us to be able to preach in the power of your might. Lord, as the Apostle Paul said, I pray that you'd give us unction and give us boldness to preach the gospel. Father, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. If the Lord will help me today, I want to preach on this thought, hammer down, but hell bound. If you look at our very first verse, it says that Jesus was gone forth into the way, but here it is, and there came one running. And kneel to him. This was a young man, as we find later in the book of Matthew, uh, or earlier, depending on which direction you're going, I suppose. Uh, there is a young man that uh, that has come to Jesus, and he's seeking. So, by way of introduction, I give you this. There's a few subjects that are on the list of necessary, but to be honest with you, they're not things that I enjoy. There, there's some subjects that I do not enjoy uh, preaching. A few months ago, my heart was led to preach on those that are in the church. We made mention of that over the last several weeks, those that are lost, those that are saved, and those that are carnal. Uh, I preached on uh, the, the indications of infancy, the marks of maturity, uh, all of these different things God is kind of bringing to a head now. We dealt with two weeks ago, we dealt with the, the idea of just in case you've forgotten, you are. If you're saved, there are some things that you are. You're saved, you're kept, you're delivered, you're preserved, you're justified, sanctified, you're washed, you're cleansed, all of those things. Last week we talked about the, the sin and, and the fact that there is still sin. Uh, and it cannot be just crossed or, or pushed under a rug or swept under a rug, but rather it's something that needs to be addressed. It's something that, quite honestly, Kurt, before it can ever be addressed, it's got to be acknowledged. And there's some folks even in churches that are condoning and accepting sin and they they treat it as a different lifestyle or they, they treat it as just a, a suggestion. Well, I don't believe that the, that the Word of God is full of suggestions. I believe there's some commandments. I believe there's some definite do's and don'ts and there's some sins and there's some things that God tells us not to do. And we've dealt with those things over the last several weeks. But again, it seems as though as I was studying last week about these sins, that God began to convict my heart and show me a little bit about this idea of a place called hell. As we look at this particular scripture, there is no word that indicates that he is in hell. There's nothing that indicates that this message would necessarily be about hell. But there's some things that, again, the Lord has spoke to me, and I trust that it will be a blessing to you. But I want you to know today that, again, over there in Matthew, he calls him a young ruler. 
And I believe if we were to look at our younger generation, even mine and below, maybe even the generation above me and below, uh, there are some things that we have uh, that we have objected to in society. What I mean by that, there's some things that we've just accepted as as just commonplace. There's even in my generation of preachers, there's a lack of preaching. There's a lack of warning. There's a lack of telling about the place called hell. Yeah, we'll preach on salvation. We'll preach on repentance. We'll preach on those things. But too often we fail to really mention this place called hell. And hell is a real place. I've got a quote somewhere. Um, I believe it was Brother Tom Malone. He said that hell is a real and a terrifying place. It's not something that we should just treat as a fairy tale, but rather something that's real. It's something that we could warn people about, something we should warn people about. In our text, we see this, this rich young ruler, and there's a tragedy that's relevant to today. We see again in, in this very first verse, verse number 17, that he ran to Jesus. He didn't casually walk to Jesus, but he ran up to Jesus. And the Bible says that he ran and kneeled to him and asked him, Good Master. He began to pour out his heart. I believe here we can see uh, that he was anxious to hear a better way. He ran to ask, what should I do? I believe there is something that I need to do. There's something that I need to hear. You have good news. I really believe you have good news, but what is it? Well, I say that this is a tragedy and that it's relevant today because we can see people in media, in social media, on the television, in news, in uh, magazines, at, in person. We can see that the way that people are asking uh, or the way that people are acting, rather, they are seeking for something. How I many of you parents have ever, without hearing a word from a child, of the way that they come up to you and they just stand there and wondered, what do you want? You know that they're wanting something because there's a look in their eyes. And, and unfortunately, we can look at those cashiers at the store and we can look at the man pumping our gas down at Wayne's World and, and we can look at those folks that are loading up lumber at Lowe's and we can see that there is a longing in their eyes. And, and I say it's a tragedy that's relevant today because there are people that are anxiously seeking a message. They're anxiously seeking some news, something from God, a better way. They're interested in the message. Look with me at verse number 20. And he answered, Jesus just told him, he says, this is what you need to do. He says, you know the, the law, the commandments, don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't bear false witness, and so on. Verse number 20, and he answered, this young man answered, and said unto him, Master, all these have I observed from my youth. So we see, first of all, now I'm just in introduction, so just bear with me. I, I, we only sang three songs today, so I got plenty of time. Somebody blow your horn on that one. <laughs> he was anxious to hear a better way, but he was interested in the message. You ever been telling a story? Maybe some of you are like this today. Uh, you ever been telling a story, and you look, and somebody's got just a blank look on their face, and uh, you say, hey, did you hear what I said? I'm sorry, no, I wasn't even paying attention. 
Well, that's not the case of this young man. Remember, he came running to Jesus and knelt at Jesus' feet, as we assume. And he began to ask him, what should I do? There has to be a better way. And Jesus told him what the better way was. But he was so interested in the message, he was engaged. He heard the words of Christ. He says, listen, Master, I'm telling you, I do all those things. There's got to be something else. Jesus answered him, and I love this. He answered him with love, not with ridicule, not with hatred or disdain, but he answered him with love. And he says, you're only lacking one thing. He said that one thing is you need to go and sell everything that you have and you'll have riches in heaven. Now, I need to point out that it is not that he sold everything. It is not that he had great wealth and great riches and Jesus was instructing him to give that up so he could have the same thing up in heaven. That's not what he was saying. But he was telling this young man that the thing that he holds so dear, the thing that takes control of his life, that is what he needs to give up. That is what he needs to give away. That is what he needs to sell and get out from underneath so that he can have eternal riches in heaven. He was interested in the message. He was anxious to hear it. But he was knowledgeable about the moral issue. He said there in verse number 20, he says, all of these things have I observed from my youth. I've done those things. Brother Jim, he said, I'm doing good. I'm not lying to one another. I'm not cheating on my my wife or my girlfriend or whatever it is. I'm honoring my father. I'm honoring my mother. I'm doing right. He was knowledgeable about moral issues. But it seems like there's a question that seems to be hanging in the air in verse number 20 and verse number 22. And I believe if we could pinpoint the question, if we can narrow it down, it would be that he's saying there's got to be something else. There's got to be something else. Now, I learned a long time ago in the book of Galatians that those people of Galatia, they they were trying to find something else. God had given them grace, and that's all they needed. But they were trying to mix works with grace. They were trying to mix their deeds with God's grace. And and Paul was writing the letter of Galatians. He was saying, no, that's not the case. You don't need any of these other things. You need to get rid of those things and trust in what he's done on Calvary with this young man, he's sitting there and he's kneeling at the feet of Jesus and he's saying, I I heard what you said. I'm interested in what you're talking about, but I've already done those things. What else is there? There's got to be something else. Jesus told him. He said, go sell everything. We come to this last point. He was sorrowful at the instruction. Verse number 22, and he was sad at that saying, and went away grieved, for he had great possessions. He was sad at the instruction that he was so anxious to hear. He was unwilling to accept it. He actually, the scripture actually says, not only was he sad, but he went away grieved. His possessions, that that relationship, that uh, that job. 
or that home or that toy, if you will, that hobby that he held on to was keeping him away from the very Son of God that he was sitting at his feet. He, those things were keeping him from the very thing that he was seeking. He went away. He was sad, but he went away grieved. Understanding that we really don't know much about this young man as far as I know we don't see him again in scripture we don't we don't see uh, the end of his story we don't see uh, and he lived happily ever after we don't see three years later he gave his heart and life to we don't see that brother Stanley so we have to accept today according to scripture that when he turned away and he went away sad and grieved for he had great possessions we have to accept according to the scripture that he died in his sin book of Hebrews, chapter 9, verse number 27. And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, judgment. We have to, Kurt, understand today that no matter this man or someone here today, if they go away from Jesus without accepting the truth that he has given them, and they reject that truth, Brother Kurt, we have to understand when they die, they'll be judged and sent to heaven. I want you to notice in the message number one today, I want you to notice with this thought in mind, of this young man coming in verse number 17, running to Jesus, being anxious to hear from Jesus. He's got the hammer down. Now some of y'all don't know what I'm talking about. Some of you country folks might. Real uppity people like Miss Sam may not know what I'm talking about. Hannah, here he was. He had the hammer down. He was going as fast as he could to get to Jesus. But by the end of verse 22, as far as we know, he was bound for hell. I want you to notice, number one, if he's going to hell, if you today... Do not accept the truth that is the gospel, that Jesus died, was buried, and rose again. And I'll add, add a little bit of, to that, a number four, he is coming again. If you do not accept that, then you are going to a, what the scripture says, a devil hell, or what it teaches, a devil's hell. I want you to see, first of all, this young man's destination. We see there in verse number 22 that he went away. And I wonder how many people that maybe, uh, maybe even some of us that profess to be saved uh, didn't, didn't accept the message the first time. Maybe it was the second or maybe it was the twelfth time that you heard the message of salvation and finally accepted it. I wonder how many today that uh, have heard messages in their lives only to walk away forever from Christ. In the Word of God, we find a couple different uh, phrases that refer to hell. Of course, we do find the word hell. We find the, the phrase, the pit, or out of darkness, or judgment. There's others that we could use. Tom Malone said hell is a, a fact, an awful, and a terrible reality. 
this is not, again, as I mentioned before, Brother Kenny, hell is not a place that we can take lightly. Hell is not a place that we can just uh, uh, casually begin to discuss. It is something that is a fact. Matter of fact, Brother Kenny, if, if today you sat here and you had never been saved, your destination is hell. You cannot sit there in a good conscience without Christ saying, one of these days I'll go to heaven because if you were to die right now, massive heart attack, God forbid, without Christ, you'd wake up in hell. But many are so flippant, flippant, how do we say that word? About. They, they take it so lightly. But this, there was a, another rich man that we see in Luke chapter number 16. Luke chapter 16, verse number 23, before that, there was a rich man. The Bible says that he fared sumptuously. He was clothed in fine linen and purple, and he had servants and all of these things. He had gates and walls around his home. But the Bible says that Lazarus died. And the angels carried him into Abraham's bosom. And the rich man also died and was buried. There was no pomp, no circumstance, regardless of his money and his finances, his social status. He died and was buried. But listen to verse number 23. And in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. Now we're talking about this, this rich man's destination in Mark chapter number 10. But we learn a little bit about the rich man in Luke chapter 16 that their destinations were the same. And we see that this rich man lifted up his eyes in hell. Here this word hell is the word Hades. And it is the abode of the wicked or a dark and a dismal place. You can ask anybody, there's only certain times of the day that I want darkness in my house. That's at night. I like the lights to be on. I like to be able to see. Uh, when I'm down in my office, if you turn the lights out, it's kind of dark. We only have the one window. And uh, I like the lights to be on. I don't like darkness. The scripture tells us in the book of Mark, uh, one of the previous chapters, it says that they will be cast into utter darkness or outer darkness. Here is this place called hell. We don't know what this wicked man has done. Now, now listen to me. Listen to this definition. Hell, Hades, the abode of the wicked, a dark and a dismal place. Now we don't know what this rich man in Luke chapter 16 has done. Neither do we know what the rich young ruler in Mark chapter number 10 has done. We know that this title of wickedness came to light, Brother David, not in necessarily what he had done, but what he had not done. He was given this title of a wicked man, this place, the, the abode of the wicked. Miss Denisha, he was given this title because not of who he was, not because of what he had done, but because all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Because there was none righteous, no, not one. He had been given this title of the wicked, again, not because of what he had done, but because of what he had not done. He had not trusted in Christ. We see in Psalm 9, chapter number 9, verse number 17, 
the wicked shall be turned into hell. And all nations that forget God. Here this word hell is that word shale. And it means the underworld or a place of no return. For years I have heard, and, and it was probably in the late 90s that I actually met someone that actually said this. And, and it blew my mind when he said it. But for years I've heard people preaching and say that folks gladly say, I'm going to hell and I'm happy about it. And I always thought that those preachers were making it up just to make a point. Until one day I heard, man's name, he's, he's dead and gone now. He was 90s when he said it, Mr. Burkhardt. We witnessed and we went to his door. We went into his house and we tried our best. He said, boys, you're wasting your breath. I'm going to hell and I'm okay with that. Unfortunately, when this gentleman died, again, he was in the 90s. He probably lived a good life. He probably lived a, 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 a sumptuous life, if I could use that word. Had no worries. He was sick at the time that we met him. But guess what? Well, Stanley, when he died, if he had not changed his heart, he went to a place called hell. The psalmist says that he went into a place of no return. If you were to continue to look in Luke chapter number 16, he begged to be able to uh, find relief out of this place called hell. He knew that he needed to go tell someone else about this place called hell and was told, no, you cannot get out. And he said, well, go send someone else. This place of hell is a place of no return. Hell is not a fun house. Hell is not some Hollywood concoction with makeup and smoke and mirror, mirrors. Hell is not a place that you will return when it gets too hot or too uncomfortable. There's no way to ring a bell or say some safe word to be delivered from this place. If you reject God and you reject the Son of God, you will die in your sins and you will have to pay the penalty of that choice that you've made and you will spend eternity in hell and in the lake of fire. I want you to see this. We're talking about this word called hell. We're talking about this destination, if you will. Matthew chapter number 5, verse number 29, he says, And if thy right eye offend thee, pluck it out and cast it from thee. For it's profitable for thee uh, that one of thy members should perish, and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. This word hell is a little bit different word, and it is that word, I may not say it just right, but it's uh, Gehana. And Gehana is a place of future punishment. Just south and east, starting in the west. It's kind of confusing. But, but at the southeast of this city called Jerusalem, there was a valley called the Valley of Hinnom. And in this place is where uh, the people of the city would take their refuse. Their, they would take all of their trash, the things that they did not want, the things that were filthy and vile. Not only that, but if there was an animal that was on his deathbed, uh, they would take that animal to the Valley of Hinnom. Uh, if, there, if an animal were to die in, in, in the city, they, that's where they took them. But then if there were some criminals, Brother Jim, uh, that had been killed for their crimes and, and their bodies, body lay uh, there and no one came to claim their bodies. They would take those bodies uh, to the valley of Hinnom and they would just dump it uh, in with the rest of it. But, but I'm telling you
telling you the sad part about this place, the bad part about this place called Ghana, is the fact that they lit fires and these fires would never go out. If Kurt, they found that they were becoming dim, they would go and light the fires again. The reason why is because they were continually burning this trash. They were continually burning these animals. They were continually burning these bodies so as the filth of this trash and the filth of these bodies would not float into the city, into the air. So they kept the fire going. They had settled that they could not let this fire go out. Matthew said there in verse number 29, he says, it's better if you go. He said, it's better if you go into hell with one eye missing than your whole body. He said, it's better that you go into this fire, this place of future punishment, than to go in whole. I want you to see, second of all, his experience. We, we, I feel like we've established the place that he was going. He was going to a place called hell. He was not going to purgatory. He was not going to youth camp. He was, that may be considered hell to some, but that's not what I'm talking about. He was not, Brother brother Eddie, you can go ahead and say amen. He was not going to his mother-in-law's house. Maybe I should have talked to Brother David about that one. I'm not sure. <laughs> he, was, he was going to hell. He was going to a place where no one in their right mind truly wants to go. But unfortunately, in our text, the Bible says in verse 22, he was sad at the words of Christ and he went away grieved. And again, I have to reiterate that if that's the end of his story, Brother Kenny, when he breathed his last breath, he would be just like the man. And I wonder if it could be that he was this rich ruler in Luke chapter 6. That fared sumptuously. That lived his life and one day, one day God called his name. He had no angels to carry him into Abraham's bosom. He had no hope, no joy, no help to, to, to cling to. But rather in hell he lift up his eyes being in torments. We see his experience. If he only, if this young man only knew the grief that he had on that day, verse 22, he went away grief. If he only knew that the grief that he had on that day would be multiplied to an incalculable level at the day of his death, I believe he would have reconsidered his words there in verse 21, Jesus' words in verse 21. I want to look at this word sad in verse 22. He went away sad or he was sad at the saying. This word sad, we know what it means. It's sorrowful. It's unhappy. But as we get a little, dig a little bit deeper, it, it literally means, and I picture the, the character in the Peanuts uh, 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 comic strip that always had the cloud over him. I don't know what the boy's name was. But it, this word sad, it means the sky is covered with clouds. Or to be saturated with gloom. I believe, Brother Kurt, that he went away from the words of Christ. And Christ gave him a hope. Christ gave him this message of hope with love. But he went away with a cloud of darkness over him, saturated in gloom, and he was grieved. How many today that may hear this this morning 
that are hearing a message of hope or have heard a message of hope and they've denied it and they've chosen to, to walk in a different way. But let me tell you, if you've chosen a different way other than Christ, your sadness will be multiplied in such a way that you cannot fathom it. There's an experience here. Verse 23 of Luke 16 again. And in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments. I want to look at this word torments now. It is the word, uh, uh, the Greek word, it means acute or intense pain. Acute or intense pain. That's what this little word torment and in this it is something that is also considered a device of torture I was reading about some of the ways that martyrs before they were considered martyrs the way that they would be tortured and there were some that their bodies were were racked and cut right down the middle and corn would be placed in their stomach cavity, Brother David, and they would let wild hogs out, and those hogs would come and eat that corn and devour that body. They would flay them alive. They would tie them to the back of a horse or to the back of a wagon and, and uh, a drive as fast as they could down a cobblestone road, and their bodies were literally skinned and, and bruised and battered, and they died. Others, there's a particular chair, and it's got a name. I can't remember what the name is, but it's not a chair like these, but it's a chair that has arms, uh, but you're bound, and so you cannot find any, any way to relieve yourself. You're bound up to a point uh, where you cannot even move, but there's a spike right in the middle of that chair, and you're placed upon it. You're impaled. Those are all devices of torture, or avenues of torture and the rich man said or it was said about the rich man that in hell he lift up his eyes being in torments or being in a place a device of torture now listen we're not done yet we're talking about his experience there. that was verse 23 but verse number 24 says and he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus, and that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. But then he uses this word again. For I am tormented in this flame. And now the, the word torment in verse 23 and the word tormented in verse 24, two different words. But in verse 24, it means to cause intense pain or to be in anger. Verse 23, Brother Kirk, he lifted up his eyes and realized that he was in a place of torment. But in verse 24, Miss Hannah, he realized not only was he in a place of torment, but he was being tormented. He was in intense pain. He was being racked and, and torn apart by the pain that he was enduring there. Tom Malone said there's two things about hell. One is that it is, uh, or two things about hell that is unbearable. One, that's, that you are forsaken by God. 
two things about hell that are unbearable. One, that you're forsaken by God. And he went over there and mentioned about the Lord Jesus Christ that had died a sinner's death. He was on a sinner's cross. And there, as he took upon the sin and the shame of the whole, the whole world, both past, present, and future, he said it was at that point that there was darkness, and he cried out, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And God did not answer him. He said, that's the idea of this forsakenness by God. Number two, he said, not only are you forsaken by God, he said, but your memory is something that makes hell unbearable. He said, I believe you will remember every song that's ever been sang about heaven, about Christ, about the love of God, every message that's ever been preached, Every time someone has ever read a Bible verse in your presence, he says every single time that you've heard someone pray and talk about being saved or given a testimony about being, he said every single thing about God in heaven, you will remember. Now we can, we can see that this is so, Miss Allie. Look at the rich man. He was in hell, right? If he was in hell, he had a memory because he says, I got five brothers back. And I firmly believe today that we, not we, because I'm saved. I can't speak for the rest of y'all, but I know that I'm saved. So I will not experience this. But if someone's lost today and they die and go to hell, their experience is going to be one of torment, of in, intense anguish and pain brought on by, the, by being forsaken by God and brought on by the memory of this life. And the truth that you've been told. I want to look quickly at the duration. We saw his experience. We saw his destination. But let's look at the duration. The Bible says there in verse 22, Mark chapter number 10, And he was sad at that saying, and went away. The word or the phrase went away means to depart. It sounds an awful lot to me like Matthew chapter 7, verse 23. And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. You remember this crowd. You, I said, you remember this crowd, right? Uh, they come up to Jesus and said, hey, Lord, Lord, uh, uh, have we not done many wonderful works in thy name? And he says, depart from me. Ye workers, or in this text, ye that work iniquity. I never knew. He said, depart from me. His, his duration. Let's look at a few scriptures. The Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 25, verse number 41. He says, Then shall he say unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed. And I don't want to take this out of context. Please don't think I'm doing that. I'm just making uh, the, 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 the illustration of this, this duration of this man. He says, He'll say to them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. This word everlasting, it means without end or never to cease. There's a few words that describe this duration of this place called hell. It says there in Matthew 25, 41. 
into everlasting fire. 25 verse 46. And these shall go away into everlasting punishment. Now, we have a change in, in words. I'll give you this one, Jude. It's only one chapter, but Jude chapter 1 verse number 6. And the angels in which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he hath preserved in everlasting chains, under darkness, under the day, under the judgment of the great day. But then we change words, and it is this word eternal. Now, if you put eternal and everlasting, they're going to go, they're going to coincide. They're going to be parallel all day long, every day for all eternity. But the word eternal, it has that idea of being perpetual. We mentioned this last week, that perpetualness. The word is or the word shall in the word of God is that perpetual. No matter when you read it, it is or you shall. That's what this it never ends. If you look at a calendar today in 2020, what is this? Uh, what date is this? I don't even know. Whatever today's date is in 2020, uh, on this Sunday, you can go forward or backwards three or four or five years you'll find that then there was this date in whatever year it was on a Sunday. There's a thing called perpetual calendar. It just continues to recirculate. Never ends. Never ends. Eternal damnation. Eternal fire. Mark chapter 3, verse 29. But he that shall blaspheme against the Holy Ghost hath never forgiveness, but is in danger of eternal, perpetual damnation. Then we look at this, talking about the, the duration. We saw the duration was everlasting in Scripture. We see that it's eternal. But then over in Mark chapter number 9, it says that their worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. This phrase, dieth not, it simply means that they do not die. They do not have an end. You see why it's so important to talk to somebody about this place called hell? You can't just go to visit. I, I, I find it very, very disturbing. If you were to go to a bookstore today and uh, you were to begin to look uh, uh, for a book called 20 Minutes in Hell, you think, well, man, or 23 Minutes in Hell, I believe is the name of the book. If you were to go there and you begin to, to search out that book and think this might be a good read, it might be just one person that has had some experience and God's revealed some things to him in hell, I beg to differ because as you begin to go, you'll see title after title after title of people that have went to hell and people that have went to heaven and none of their ideals things they stand for in their book, none of their ideas, the, the, the thoughts that they present are the same. Well, David, that seems to me in, in light of these books that hell's different for you than it is for Tom. I believe hell is hell. Hell is everlasting. I don't see other than the Lord Jesus Christ anybody that went to hell and returned. I don't see anybody. Brother Eddie, 
If someone were to go to hell right now, they, as I said earlier, they can't just ring the bell and say, I'm done. No. I bet you they're there for all eternity. And they're there for a reason, Hannah. It's not because they were a bad person. It's not because they said something out of the way to the preacher. It's because they rejected the Lord Jesus Christ. Folks need to hear that. Now, very quickly, I'm going to give you this. My worm has just now gotten to my backbone, and I'm getting hungry. Just so y'all know, Mamma Jane's got food in the truck. If anybody needs some spoons and forks and bowls or in the fellowship hall, if it gets too much longer, we're coming to see you, Mamma Jane. Now, I gave you this last week, and I feel the need to give it to you again. And that is the fact that no matter how much damnation we preach, no matter how much condemnation we throw at somebody, <laughs> we have got to give a way of hope. We've got to give some way that you can get it right. And I want you to know today, if you're taking notes, here's number four. Could or can it be different? Look with me in our text. Now, Mark chapter number 10, verse number 18. And Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. Now listen to me. Can it be different? I want you to look at verse 21. Jesus beholding him loved him and said unto him, I want you to, to know today that there is a good God in heaven that loves you and wants you to know that there's hope. Wants you to know that you don't have to go to hell today. Wants you to know that you don't have to deny him and go away sad and grieve. There is a good God in heaven that loves you enough today to let someone preach to you about sin and about eternity called an eternity in a place called hell. But there is love in the voice of God. You better believe that there's wrath. You better believe that God will meet out judgment and wrath. I want you to know today there's hope. Jesus answered in a few verses. Look at verse 23, Mark chapter 10, verse 26, and then verse 27. I want you to see this. And Jesus looked around about and said unto the disciples, How hardly shall they have riches, they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God? He said, It's going to be hard for them. It's going to be hard for them to have riches enter into the kingdom of God. Again, he's not talking about $100 bills in your wallet. Verse 26, and they were astonished out of measure, saying among themselves, Who then? <laughs> Who then can be saved? What was it, Acts chapter number 16? Is that, is that about when uh, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises and the earthquake came and broke down the walls of the prison, tore down the, the, the doors, tore? I mean, this, this earthquake was so powerful that it broke the very bonds that they were in, Brother Kenny. But there was a soldier there, and he says, Sirs, what must I do to be... It sounds a whole lot like what he said. Sirs, what must I do to be saved? These disciples said, Who then can be saved? And Jesus looking upon them saying, With men it is impossible. Well, Jim, how tall are you? 
six foot. I'd give my right little toe. I don't think I use it. I'd give my right little toe to be six foot. Now, Brother Tony, I know you can hear me. I can't see you over the steering wheel, but I know you can hear me, Brother Tony. I'm not being mean. But there is a mentality among men that if someone is short in stature, they're less than a man. That's wrong, right, Brother Jody? Honk your horn if that's wrong. Come on. <laughs> Brother Jody is a man's man. I understand that. Brother Jim is sick. I don't know how tall he is. But Brother Jim six four. Is that what you said? Six five, something like that. He's a man's man. But every single one of us, Nathan, Camden, Nick, David, everybody in between, you men, you can be a man. It's not dependent on your stature, your physical stature. Brother, Brother Jim, I love to be able to say, you know, is there some stretch I could do? Like, can I can I put a thing around my neck and weights around my legs to 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 gain some some height? Is there something that I can do? There's nothing that I can do. What I'm is, I'm already is. That's it. I'm I'm look here. I've always been five foot ten and a half inches. I want to punch them little, little nurses right in the nose when they say 5'10". No, there's a half inch there. Put it on there. Point 0.5. That's what I'm is. Until I measure myself, Nathan, I'm, I'm now, I lost my point 0.5. I'm going somewhere with this. Something's impossible for us to do. Jesus says with men it is impossible. <laughs> But not with God. <laughs> I don't want to give too much away, but I want you to know today. I was 12 years old when I got saved, but there were some things. There were some things in my life that I don't even want to tell you. That I was addicted to. There were some things as a 12-year-old boy that I was presented with and and accepted as normal. There were some things in my life that I that I had done. There's no way that I could save me. Michelle, there's no way that I could clean up. There's no way that I could put enough soap or scour enough that that sin would be gone. I could confess it to every single one of you, but not a single one of you could do anything about my sin. <laughs> He says, who then shall be saved? Jesus looked and said, with men it is impossible, but not with God. Hallelujah to the Lamb. I'm glad that day in 1992 that I didn't call old Phil Kidd. I didn't call old uh, Milton Taylor or Sammy Allen or anybody else. But Brother Kenny, I prayed on a God to he in heaven that was able to bend low his ear and reach low his arm so he can hear me and lift me up out of the horrible pit. With God, it is possible. 
he goes on, he goes on and he says, For with God all things are possible. It was impossible for a little virgin maid to all of a sudden be found with child. It was impossible. In our eyes, but not with God. It was impossible for someone like me to be saved, but not with God. It's impossible for God to go down there on Cotton Avenue. It's impossible for God to go down there on, or for man to go down there on Cotton Avenue and pull somebody up out of the gutter, pull somebody up out of the vomit that they uh, threw up last night or this morning soaked in alcohol and their own feces. It's impossible for you and I to go and try our best to clean them up and so they can go to heaven, Miss Tanya, but not, whoop, but not with God. Is there hope? Can there be any hope? Is there another option that we find for this young man? Yes, he could have. And you can be saved. Week before last, we told you about that word saved. It means to be kept safe and sound or to preserve one who is in danger of destruction. Matthew chapter number 18, verse number 11, for the Son of Man has come to save that which was lost. I'm glad that that day when I got saved, God was looking for somebody. I'm glad. Kurt, now if you stand up and shout, just put that little boy down real easy like this year, back in April, I don't remember the day, 12, Easter Sunday, right? When God saw fit to say, hey, you need to get to church. You came out here, walked around, ended up back there at the altar, found your place with God. It wasn't that you got to looking for God, it's that God came looking for you. Who was Squire Parsons said when I could not go to where he was, he came to me. He came to save that which was lost. First Corinthians 1 21. For after him that was that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. I'm glad God's in the saving business. 1 Timothy 1.15, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. That's why he came. He came to save sinners. Hebrews 7.25, wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing that he liveth or he ever liveth to make intercession for them. By way of introduction, if you give me just a couple of minutes, y'all can come with a song of invitation. Our time is, is a peculiar one. We can hear the messages of hell and hope in person. We can hear it on the radio. We can hear it on 
on online media. We can see it in print. We can hold it in our hands with our cellular devices. But I really believe this morning, I'm not, I'm not trying to, to, to boast, please don't think that. But I don't think that anybody that has heard the message this morning can go out of here and say that they've never heard the gospel. There's no excuses. No excuses at all. I ask you, will you, will you hear the words of Christ? Will you hear him say that if you will just give him everything, he will give you, what does he say? Treasure in heaven. Not gold and silver and furs and vehicles, but rather your treasures of peace, comfort, rest, security. If you're lost, there's only but a couple things that you can do about it. You can either accept the Lord or you can reject Him. In accepting Him, you, you've got you've to come to the realization that you are a sinner. You've got to repent of that sin and ask the Lord to save you. The Bible says there in, verse, in Romans chapter number 10, verse number 13, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, shall be saved. Will you be saved or will you go away grieved? I want to read you just a little something here. This may go in a little bit different direction than the message, but Phil led to do it. I had two songs I wanted to read you. I don't know the name of this song. I've always called it the friend song. I've not heard it sing since 1998. Only one young lady, she's a little bit older than I am now, but only one young lady have I ever heard sing this song. And this is a song about a young person, maybe, maybe a young man, young woman that went to hell. But while they were here on earth, they had a Christian friend. They didn't tell him about the Lord. It says, my friend, I stand at judgment now and feel that you're to blame somehow. On earth, I walk beside you day by day. You could have led me straight to him. My knowledge then was very dim, but never once did you tell me the way. You called me friend, but that was then when we were young and best of friends living there on good old planet earth. But it's too late. You've sealed my fate. I'll never see that pearly gate. You never told me of the second birth. You taught me what you said was true. I called you friend. I trusted you. We walked by day and talked a lot at night. But now I know that it's too late. But you could have kept me from this fate and shown me how to walk in paths of light. You let me live, learn, and die. You knew I'd never live on high. And now I stand this day at last condemned. Yes, I called you friend in life. I trusted you through joy and strife. And now I know that you were not my friend. And now I'm lost forever. 
I'm burning in this awful place. I'm suffering so much pain here. And through it all, I see your face. Although you're bound for heaven. And you won't reach this bitter end. It's so hard to stay here. Knowing you were once my friend. Let's pray. Stand to your feet, dear God in heaven. We pray today that you would touch. Now, God, I'm going to go through just a couple little thought processes for our folks here. Uh, I want to put a thought in their head, but, Lord, I want to walk through some thoughts that might be going through their head. There's some maybe here today that have made a profession of faith. And they might be asking, God, am I really saved? They might be trying to figure out if what they said the last time is true. God, I pray today that if someone here might be have that doubt, that you make it real to them. God, give them absolute assurance of their standing with you. God, if there's somebody that, that you've told them today that they are lost, that they're going to go to hell, God, I pray today to save them. God, I ask you today that you would speak to our hearts as believers, as Christians, to realize that hell is real. And that our neighbors, our friends, our family could be going to that awful place. God, I pray today that you put a burden on our heart to share the sweet gospel of Jesus Christ. I'd have your will in our heart today. We thank you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. What we sing, brother Dan. Just as I am without one plea, Thank you for being here today. <clears throat> I want you to pray today for the message. I want you to pray that God will speak to somebody's heart through it. It could be some of us. I believe God can challenge even, even the closest Christian. I believe God can challenge us through a message about hell to get a burden for sinners. I believe it's needful today. So you pray. Here in a little while, when we get home, we're going to.
post this to YouTube, post it to Facebook, and uh, you pray that God will touch somebody's heart. I love for somebody to get saved. You say, well, what about people here? Yes, church member. God's told you you're going to hell. You better get it right. Because if not, you'll go to hell with your name on the roll of Lighthouse Baptist Church. You can get it right today. I love you folks. We pray Wednesday night now. Wednesday night we'll be having online service. Check it all out. I want you to look at our website and all that good stuff. Told you about that. Wednesday night. Nobody got a chance to listen to the, the missionary presentation. Let me know if you want to hear it. I will send you the file that you can listen to. I won't post it again. But I ask you to be praying. I've got a lot of thoughts, a lot of burdens about missions. Once we get back into our regular services, I'd love to be able to sit down and share some of those things with you. That's why we've been trying to present so many things about missions over the last several months. I ask you to be praying for them, especially our missionaries that we do support. You call them out by name. And I forgot to mention, forgot to mention all about Brother John Smith. One of these days, y'all going to get a good pastor that has a good memory to come over. <laughs> John Smith, you know, like I told most everybody, should have got the text yesterday. Um, had to have emergency surgery. They found a uh, an ulcer that had, uh, I guess, ate, ate through the stomach lining. And uh, so they fixed that. He's going to be in the hospital for a few more days. And uh, before they laid him out, they've got to run some dye through the system, make sure there's no leaks or anything. And uh, so you be praying for Brother John. Be praying for Miss Jean. In the text I told you, she had a. a scheduled surgery for November and uh, but uh, there's just some wrong information there it's the 29th of October Miss Jean will have her surgery to replace or to at least repair that left hip so we pray for her she's at home as far as we know she's comfortable so let's lift one another up in prayer pray for uh, Sister Jane Jean, Jane, uh, this lady right here Grandma Jane, if I say it wrong I get it wrong Mamma Jane, if I say sister, it messes me up. Brother Eddie, I'm sure they'll probably be going home tomorrow or so. Uh, but you ask the Lord to touch them. Pray for one another. Lift one another up, okay? Anybody have a word before we dismiss? All right. Well, let's praise the Lord. We'll be at liberty to go. On the count of three, you can praise the Lord or honk your horn. One, two, three. Praise, praise the Lord. Lord. Yeah.